1: Welcome to another episode of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm Dan Todd. We've got a great show today.
2: Our theme is A Legally Armed America. Cheryl, I normally have to second-guess these... uh, Titles, but this one sounds pretty right on.
1: It, I think it's it's right on. It's what we hope for, really. I mean, why do we have so many areas and patches throughout our country where people can't be legally armed, right? And so that was kind of where my thought process started. And then one of our guests actually works for LegallyArmedAmerica.com. So I'm like, well, there you go. There's my theme. I, I love it. And so uh, today... You know, being a legally armed America. It's becoming harder and harder to do as the politicians try to make a name for themselves at the expense of our freedoms. They spout off gun-ish sounding words in a tossed salad of phrases that they heard third hand and with no understanding whatsoever of the current laws and the and guns in general, they influence the voters of America. With nonsense, we can no longer, if we ever could have, trust our politicians to have done their research and to be knowledgeable on any topic, even if they seem to be on our side, quote unquote. In this age of information, there is no excuse for these misinformed public speakers who pass their foolishness on like a virus to the public. So don't allow them or me or anyone to make you look foolish and speak foolishly. Do your own research. Get informed. Don't buy into the sound bites and bumper sticker wisdom. And then vote. There is no fence sitting, especially not in this election. And there is no excuse not to be involved and to have your voice heard in every election and to protect our rights to continue to be a legally armed America. Now, that that's great, but I do want to interrupt. Before we
2: talk about the guests that we have coming on the show today, okay. I want to make it clear that we do have some good politicians out there.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I wouldn't want to take a thing <clears throat> away from them. We've had some of them on the show. Um, the first one that pops to my mind, I mean, our Arizona uh, Congressman Trent Franks is a— he, he loves our constitution. He fights for it for sure. Um, but the one that popped to my mind is Oklahoma Congressman, um, Russell, and he is also a gun manufacturer. So he knows this stuff. I can't believe that more people don't lean on him and reach out to him and ask him before they start making nonsensical statements and, and trying to pass bills that are enemies of the Constitution. But, yeah, there are definitely some good ones out there, and definitely support the good ones.
2: Right. So let's uh, talk about our guests that we have coming on the show today. We have Rick Dalton. He's a vice president of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. Their goal is to educate citizens and elected officials, from sheriffs to commissioners, to judges, on their constitutional rights and responsibilities. We have Laura Evans of LegallyArmedAmerica.com. She was once an anti-gun mom and has grown into a passionate supporter of the Second Amendment. Laura is a lifetime NRA member and a delegate for the D.C. Project. As a director of marketing for Legally Armed America and Gun District, Laura has helped to change the landscape of pro-gun social media. Then our second hour, we have Cindy Harden. She's here on the, in, the, in the room with us right now, patiently waiting for her time. She's the owner and designer of Cindy's Concealed Carry Purses. She has also launched Not Your Victim as a series of classes and addresses how to be safe in public, at home, and in the workplace. We have Vicki Callmaker. She's a supporter of Campus Carry and founder of Women's Shooting Academy, and her new nonprofit titled Help Me Help Her in Reno, Nevada. We also have Lara, Lara Smith, the Vice President of the California Chapter of the Liberal Gun Club. Liberal Gun Club.
1: Mm. I know, there is such a thing.
2: She is here to talk to us about Galvin Newsom's California Prop 63. In a word, it's bad. So stay tuned for our second hour to find out why.
1: And of course we will round our show out with our responsibly armed citizen report and Dan's commentary. Um. (laughs) I'm still jealous of your your setup and your lead-out music.
2: Well, Cheryl, look, you know, we had to pre-record this show because we're in Florida at the... uh, GRPC, the Gun Rights Policy
1: Conference. Right,
2: so we're there, so we had to record this. And, you know, some some terrible news happened this week. We had the uh, mall stabbing in Minnesota. Yeah, but who has heard anything about that? We also had the bombing in New York, but let's talk about the mall stabbing. It's very annoying to me about the Minnesota. How many people were uh, stabbed? Nine. Nine people were stabbed. And they only have a small blurb. Now, I understand New York happened, Mm -hmm. but there was only a small blurb. And they said that he was stopped by a plainclothes, off-duty officer. Mm -hmm. That was all they said. Mm -hmm. Well, we did a little research. And we found out this plainclothes officer was also... A owner of a – what was the name of the company, Cheryl?
1: So it was Jason Falconer, and uh, he he survived the attack, but he took down the the bad guy, took him three shots to take down the bad guy because the bad guy kept standing up and and charging again. Uh, So Jason Falconer – so he's also the owner of Tactical Advantage LLC and a USPSA um, – did I say that wrong? USPCA. Um, shooter, three gun shooter. And so no mention of that, because what does he do? He teaches ordinary citizens like you and I to do exactly what he did in a safe and responsible fashion. And, it, I, you know, if you want to look and see where bias lies in the news stories that we're even told about and the way that we are told them, Let's assume, let's just for a second go, maybe bad guy had a gun. This is how we've experienced uh, the last several years. If bad guy had had a gun, first of all, it would have been an AR-15, no matter what the gun really was. That's what they would have said it was, an AR-15. And they would have been, we would have been experiencing wall-to-wall For at least a day, if not multiple days, of this story. And it would have just gone on and on and on. All right, so now we have the same story. Nine people injured in a public space. And the tool that the bad guy used happened to not be a gun. It happened to be a knife. Who's even heard about this story? Now, again, it could have been overshadowed by the the bombing. I do want to be fair. But... I cannot help but believe because of the way we've seen news be delivered to us in the the quantities, you know, the the repetition that had it been a firearm, the way that the media would have handled it would have been a completely different thing. And I I just want to thank Jason Falconer for his service, his continued service, because he used to be the chief of police, and now, now he, he serves in another capacity, and for his training and, and for being know, a safe and responsible and citizen.
2: And he fired in that mall, and he was able to fire without hurting anyone else. Mm-hmm. And he stopped that man. He had to shoot him three times. Mm-hmm. So
1: And so then, you know, going to the bombing, I know we probably should talk about other things too, but um, going to the bombings that happened in Manhattan and New Jersey... I know at least one of them involved a pressure cooker. So, again, they're not talking about because it was not a gun. I believe, this is my assumption, again, don't just repeat what I say verbatim. Do your own research. Make up your own mind about things. But I think that had it been a firearm that was used to harm other Americans, that we would just be talking about what is... President Obama always say he had no difficulty getting his hands on a weapon. Well, if a pressure cooker, uh, he probably had no difficulty getting so his you, hands on a pressure cooker. So do
2: you think the legislatures are going to be under pressure to ban pressure oh, cookers now? Oh,
1: no. Bad puns by Dan.
2: Oh. I, I don't I, Maybe I'm
1: just <laughs> under pressure here today on the show. I don't know. Well, again, this is the day that we're sitting in the studio recording this is Monday, August 19th. So who knows what is going to happen between now and the day that you hear this air on Saturday, the, the uh, what is it, on the 24th. Um, so please know that we're not ignoring any big news uh, because you could think, well, we're doing the same thing that the, the other media is, uh, that I'm accusing them and just kind of ignoring important stories. And, and that's not the case at all. We're just, uh, we're having to record early in the week and I hope we don't miss anything and po- i hope nothing like this happens you know so, the news to be reported uh, on. new
2: york times is saying how you know this is getting to be spread out small little things happening all over the country which should put all of the citizens on alert and be armed you know be responsible armed and carry to oh. to prevent these things from happening we can't just sit and hide i agree i couldn't
1: agree more obviously, (laughs) because what are we listening to? We're listening to Gun Freedom Radio. Well, stick around. We've got a lot more coming up. Very excited about uh, introducing our first guest, uh, Rick Dalton. He goes around the country teaching police officers and departments how to be constitutionally mindful, connected, correct. Stick around. Meet Rick.
0: Hi, I'm Paul Lathrop. I'd like to talk with you about the Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network. As many of you know, you'll likely have to win two fights if you have to use your gun in self-defense. The first fight is the gunfight itself. The second fight is the fight to clear your good name through the legal system. You don't need to draw your gun to find yourself in a legal battle for your life and freedom. Even if you do everything right you may still be prosecuted, which could cost you tens of thousands of dollars. The Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network is an official sponsor of the Self-Defense Radio Network, and they will completely take that worry away by giving you financial assistance and legal assistance if you have to use your gun in a legitimate self-defense situation. In my case, it was $12,500 just to get out of jail and get the attorney started. Don't let no zealous anti-gun prosecutor make your life miserable because you chose to legally defend yourself. Sign up at armedcitizensnetwork.org for only $135 for the first year and discounted renewals. Or you can call 360-978-5200
3: and just tell them Paul sent you. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com. Or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com.
1: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, the theme of our show today is a legally armed America, and our first guest is Rick Dalton. Rick is the Vice President and Legislative Liaison for Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, the CSPOA, whose goal is to educate citizens and elected officials from sheriffs to commissioners to judges on their constitutional rights and responsibilities. This movement is apolitical as a constitutional sheriff is not defined as Democrat, Republican or Libertarian. A constitutional sheriff, in reference to their oath, their citizenry, and the Constitution, is dedicated to uphold, defend, protect, and serve. The sheriff is a citizen first, elected by citizens, which are the people, and answer only to the people. Rick Dalton, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure.
1: Well, we are excited, and you're a local guy. You're here in Arizona, and and we were going to have you in studio, but uh, you travel a lot to teach these things, and you were just recently at an event, right?
4: Yes. uh, I just got back uh, yesterday afternoon from uh, Vincennes, Indiana, Uh, and I taught uh, an all-day Saturday seminar for the National Center for Constitutional Studies. Uh Vincennes was a site actually one of the last battles of the Revolutionary War. Oh and, uh, wow. It was actually the seat, if you remember history, the uh the the Northwest Ordinance, uh the Northwest Territory, Vincennes was actually the seat of the Northwest Territory while it was still a territory.
1: And over the weekend we had Constitution Day, right? Didn't we?
4: We did. We did. That was Saturday. That was the day that we taught the seminar, and I certainly hope everybody uh, did something to celebrate and to maybe increase uh, their knowledge about it.
1: Well, it's funny to me. Our Constitution is, you know, it's not one of these uh, war and peace type uh, pieces of literature. It's <laughs>
4: That's for sure.
1: Right? What it, was, it takes about, what, 20, 30 minutes to read cover to cover, start to finish, and yet how many citizens out there If I asked you to raise your hand right now, if you can hear the sound of my voice, how many of you would raise your hand? That's embarrassing because I can't see you, but I know. I know. Nobody reads it. And so we just kind of, I don't know, abdicate that knowledge and that responsibility to the people that we hire with our votes and then assume that they've even read it, don't we?
4: Yeah, that that's true. It's sad, and and what's even more disappointing is the fact that most public officials, including but especially law enforcement officers, don't ever. After the uh, the academy, they talk about the Constitution a little bit. They have a there's a class in every recruit academy that I'm aware of uh, called constitutional law, and uh, they depends what the, who's teaching and what the format is and what the worldview is, but the, in mine, my 16-hour course on constitutional law, they never opened the Constitution once. They never gave us a copy of it, and we all talked about court cases, and that's it. But but the point is that that's the last time most law enforcement officers ever even think about or talk about constitutional issues. Well, and They, swear to, up, they swear to uphold it, and then they don't even know what's in it.
1: Don't know what to what they're upholding. And I, I failed to mention that you are a twenty year veteran of the Mesa, Arizona Police Department, and thank you so much for your service and for your continued service in educating your your fellow officers.
4: Well, you're certainly welcome. I must I must say that it was twenty years and forty two days. I don't want to leave those out.
1: <laughs> but who's <laughs> counting, right? <laughs> so yeah. so you, I think I could probably dedicate an entire two hours to everything that, that you do and everything that you teach. but basically, everything comes back down to that, that document, the Constitution. And because you were you're also connected, you mentioned, to the National Center for Constitutional Studies. And it was so funny to me when I first uh, met you over the phone, we were talking about that, and I says, oh, my goodness, that is the organization that I buy my pocket constitutions from that we hand out at, at any events that I go, and, and I'm a speaker at, and through our store, AZ Firearms, we slip one in every bag as we're selling you know, ammo or a firearm, and in hopes that people are going to crack the cover.
4: Yeah, that's true. Uh, NCCS actually has distributed over 10 million pocket constitutions. And that sounds pretty amazing. But then I just talked to Earl Taylor the other day, who's the president of NCCS. They're launching a, a goal now <clears throat> to to uh, distribute a hundred million in, wow. the
1: year, in the next five
4: years. In the next five years,
1: hundred so million. You can get
4: them. You can get them not, not for free, but you know you can buy ten or fifty or a hundred for like you know a quarter a piece and uh, and distribute them. And the funny thing is, Cheryl that. When people actually read it, their life is changed. It's true. It, it, it's amazing when they actually begin a serious study of the Constitution.
1: It's true, it and they'll even go, so "Oh, that's where that line is from."
4: Ah, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. oh, that
1: wasn't just a meme I saw on Facebook. Go figure, <laughs> right? And so that's yeah. NCCS dot net, National Center for Constitutional Studies. It's an amazing site it's an exciting site and you'll feel smarter and you'll stand just a little prouder for having just spent a few minutes perusing that site check it out now you and i we we talked before the show and we're like well which of the plethora of things that you do are we going to narrow in on and one of the things i did want you to talk about and uh, even if we have to go over our commercial break and come back and touch on it, is this idea of the militarization of police. Now, people hear that, and they usually hear it phrased that way from people that uh, fear the police, like they're afraid of their power. I hear it in a way that, well, you know, whatever militarization, whatever you want to kind of... Uh, put as, as hash marks and information underneath that, I feel like I want my my police force, because I trust them, so I think it's a, a trust angle. Yes. Yeah. I want them to be as prepared and, and protected and ready for anything. I don't want them to be outgunned and outmanned. So talk to us from your perspective, from what you teach and the people you teach. How do you hear that phrase, militarization of police?
4: Okay, well, I, I guess I could just explain what, what I mean by the term and what I understand by the term, uh, and, uh, and and I, I do want to say that I'm you know I'm giving my opinion, but it's also uh, the opinion of NCC. I'm sorry, of the CSPOA. We didn't give the the website. If you don't mind, I'll do that. Yeah, please. CSPOA.org. dot That's the website, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. It's our position too. There there is a as you said, we don't want our our law enforcers, our peace officers to be outgunned. We do not. And as a rule, we are not. Uh it's it's there's been a changing um situation of armaments in, in law enforcement. When I came on, uh we only had a few officers that had shotguns and that's it. There were no rifles, no long guns out there. Uh, and then a few things changed so we had one person on every squad was to have a shotgun now pretty much every car has a shotgun or a rifle uh and, and it ought to be because we you know the the bad guys are out there a little more and especially in areas like arizona you've got the cartels and the human smugglers and and the the, the sex traffickers and that kind of stuff and they're, they're heavily armed, so. So we need, uh, we need, and I think pretty much every officer has one or has access to to a long gun and or a shotgun.
1: Well, um, when but, I yeah. hear people say they don't want our military, I mean, sorry, our our police forces to be militarized, and they kind of put this this meme up of, well, there's Barney Fife on one side of the screen, and then somebody like fully decked out in their tactical black gear and, and helmet and everything on the other side of the screen. I, I'm thinking... You know what? If we have a bombing like we're, we've experienced in some places, um, or a major event, which one do, now? Which one do you want? Is how I'm feeling. You know, do you want yeah. Barney Fife to be between you and and the bad guys that will use anything they can to, including pressure cookers, to blow things up and run in malls and and start shooting and and stabbing people?
4: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you, but that's not. There's another, a whole other issue to, to militarization. The, the personal equipment of the individual officer needs to be equal to or or better than, or or more, more powered than the bad guy. There's no question about that. But we're talking about uh, tactics and when do we use this kind of thing? So let me give you a couple examples. Well, let's talk about equipment. Let's let's go back to military equipment. Uh, there's a vehicle called a Bearcat, a Humvee. There's all kinds of basically tanks Mm -hmm. that are now uh, being used by law enforcement. Uh, Not that, not that they don't have a place at a certain time, um, but your small town agency doesn't need that kind of stuff. The federal government is getting their hands on and beginning to start to try to control law enforcement by giving these supposedly surplus and equipment to the, to the uh, law enforcement officers on the local level. The problem is they may want to train these law enforcement officers. Now, I will tell you this, that many, uh, I think pretty much every SWAT team, uh, the training is, comes down from the military. And the problem is that in the military, there's only two kinds of people, us and them. And, mm. and if it's them, you kill them. Mm. The, that attitude, that idea is not proper and, and is devastatingly wrong for law enforcement okay
1: uh we don't
4: want we don't want our cops on the one hand to be out there wearing blazers and handing out pamphlets but we do want them to realize they are servants of the people they are a servant and their only job and i guess i can say our because i still consider myself part of the group mm-hmm. our only job is to protect rights so uh, let's just talk about SWAT teams for example okay uh What's going on? Every, every agency needs one, or if it's a small agency needs access to one, the neighboring agency, they might be able to call out. There's no question. You have situations, barricaded, armed, suspect, hostage situations, active shooters that requires SWAT teams. But the problem is they're using SWAT teams for things that were never, uh, to do raids that have no business doing it. Uh, Example, there. I don't know. There's thousands and thousands of more raids now on a low level, sm- small amount of marijuana suspected to be in a house, and they have no other information that the person's a dealer. We just uh, they got info that the guy just sold a, a, a bag of weed to somebody, and they hit the place with a complete SWAT team. People are absolutely freaked out, which you know the idea is to hit them in the, in the middle of the night when they're sleeping, and, and and but the problem is. People don't know. You go barging in and in black outfits. I don't know if you're a terrorist or whatever. Hmm. The man of the house, sadly enough, the man of the house, does. he doesn't know. He thinks it's bad guys. He pulls out a gun to defend himself and his family, and he's killed, and sometimes they're killed. Hmm. There's no need for that kind of a situation to happen. And sadly enough, in more than one occasion, it's been the wrong house to begin with, and they killed somebody, and it was even the wrong house. Hmm. Those kind of raids the the uh, the uh, conflagration the the great increase of those raids there's thousands now to where there were very few in the past so if the needs there you got to do it if you expect the person to be armed and dangerous yeah but if all you know is you sold a bag of weed there's absolutely no reason to to use a, a felony dynamic entry raid. Uh, on a situation like that.
1: So what is the the fix for something? So what's the fix for something like that? Learning different levels of tactics, you know, like, you know, you can even color code them like we do, you know, in our level of of awareness, you know, white, yellow, red, orange, whatever they are. Is that, I mean, how do you, how do you stay as prepared as you might need to be, but yet not uh, go full force on something that might just take, you know, a couple officers to knock on a door and, and serve a, a well, warrant. Well,
4: that that's I mean, that's one of the difficult parts of the job. You, you have to you have to realize that un, unless you have specific information, I mean, basically it's all, all about information. If you have information that the guy is armed, that he has a felony record for violent crimes and other things like that, that may be a different story. Um, and on the other hand, if you want to if you want to get the guy, then you know what's easier to do what's better to do what you should do is try to get the guy when he's not at home and, and, and arrest him and then get a search warrant and search the house see that could, that can could be done so well, you don't have to you know get him in his home element where he's protected his family then don't know what the heck is going on now if it's a hardened criminal like say with the, with the long felony rap sheet known to be violent known to have weapons that's a different story there's your there's your swatting situation it's all a matter of of uh getting the information and making sure that you're doing it in the proper way and not using excessive force. You mm-hmm. could have SWAT guys standing by if something happened. You
1: as, know, as a backup yeah. plan. Well, yeah, yeah. we're talking with Rick Dalton of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, and we're going to run to break. And, Rick, you're going to stick around and, and talk with us a little more, right? Certainly. All That's right. Good. Well stick around, We've got much more coming up with Rick Dalton right after this.
2: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, educate, and inform. Sponsored by AZ Firearms, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. We have the privilege to talk to Rick Dalton. He's a vice president of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. Rick, are you still with us?
4: I certainly am.
2: Rick, um, you know, I've been hearing a lot of news. You know, Colorado had that uh, recall. And uh, I I remember a sheriff uh, came on and said that the laws that they're they passed, that the governor signed over magazine capacity was a violation of the Second Amendment and that he was not going to overstep the Constitution, and so he wasn't going to enforce that law. Is this kind of what you're teaching uh, officers out there?
4: Well, we are, and I'm wondering, if you don't mind, I'd like to back up to the previous segment and make one statement to just wrap it up. Is that okay? Okay. Oh, absolutely. Okay. The, The bottom line is this. The military is one thing. Military personnel, basically, they're war fighters. The job's to kill the enemy. Law enforcement officers, their job is to protect people's rights and to uphold the Constitution and defend it. That's the difference. If we get military training and tactics mixed up into law enforcement, and that's what we have, many of the SWAT teams, I'm um, going to back up to, uh, uh, to, to Waco, for example. That, that raid, those, those uh, law enforcement officers said they were federal, They were trained at Fort Hood. They did their training and and practice on mock-up buildings at Fort Hood. And that's why the thing went as bad as it did. Hmm. We have to remember that as a police officer, I am a shield, not a sword. Hmm. Very badge that we pin on our chest is called a shield. Now Sometimes you have to get the sword out because you use it with your shield to protect people's rights. We are a servant of the people, not a supervisor of the people. If, you do, if that attitude changes, it's, we're in big trouble. That's why we're working on training and training on enforcement with that idea. Okay, Rick, Some
2: good. of our local police officers, I know very well, and you know I talked to them quite a bit. and and you know, some of the departments have the, the big equipment that we talked about earlier. And I myself, I'm not opposed to it. I think that we should have uh, law enforcement should have one step above what they can get because they need to protect their lives. And as long as they're using those tools properly, I think they're valuable for them. I've seen many law enforcement officers that go to a situation are very underarmed, very, uh, you know, in danger. And so I think the equipment's good if as long as they
1: use it reasonably. Well, but Rick touched on something I, I wasn't aware of, that there are kind of strings attached to that equipment.
4: Yeah, this is another, another thing. But I, I, I agree with you. Uh, that's true. We need it. I remember a situation uh, involving a joint uh, task force on drugs. And I happened to be—I wasn't on the task force. I happened to be called because I was a Spanish translator for the department, and they called me to go in first. They had the the SWAT guys. I was in a marked patrol car driving in first, and the SWAT guys in in a in a van on the backside, you know, all standing on the side of the running boards. There's about seven of them, and and I had to go in first with my PA in, in in Spanish. Come out of the house, you know. This is the police. Come out with your hands up. And I was the first one in there. It was just me and my patrol car, and they expected to have, have weapons. I mean, that was scary as heck. Yeah. Yeah. I would have loved to have been inside of a barricade <clears throat> on that yes. Right. So so in those kind of situations, these were heavy drug dealers with with ties to Mexican cartels, and uh, that was the proper situation, so I agree with you. It's how it is used, but more, more, more than that, law, uh, federal agencies want to begin to now do training and tactics And uh, other things, which is not a good idea. There's a push for a national police force. And uh, the Obama administration, the Justice Department, is trying to take over certain cities where they think there's a problem and they want to come in and help them. And uh, and that's a big problem. Our police need to be local and independent and answerable only to the local community.
2: Well, Rick, the reason why I brought that question at the second hour up to you is because... No, we have a lot of conversations. I go to a lot of shows. I've been around guns all my life and, and there are people yeah. out there, not me, but there are people out there that believe that one day the government's gonna overthrow us and then the military is gonna come in and local law enforcement officers are just gonna run to the side of the military. And I've talked to several police officers about this and a lot of them say, you know, if they take our guns if they make a law to take our guns away, I'm not gonna be the one knocking on the door taking the guns away because that's a right that American people go. have. So what I'm asking is, are, are you yeah. teaching this to the law enforcement officers that if one if they have to draw a line, that they're not going to step over the Constitution?
4: Yes, absolutely true. Uh, we, that's one of the major things that we teach. Your oath is to the Constitution and the people, not to any police agency or, or any commanding officer or whatever. If there happens to be a conflict, you've got to stick with your oath. TSBOA uh, is involved heavily in that. That is one of the reasons. Right, sheriff Mack, our founder, you know, had to sue the the Clinton administration over the Brady Bill because he says it's unconstitutional, and I won't enforce it. I won't help you enforce an unconstitutional act. We have a sheriff in one of our members, uh, Sheriff Nick Finch in Liberty County, Florida, did the same thing. He unarrested a guy that got arrested on a uh, a federal firearms charge that was unconstitutional. He went down to the jail and let him out and unarrested him, and the governor. And the state attorney general then went right ahead and they said, you're relieved of your duties, sir.
1: Wow. Which, wow.
4: They have absolutely no authority, no authority to do that. But they did. And I mean, since the attorney general was, was involved in it, he didn't want to make a big physical fight about it. So long story short, they charged him with corruption and everything else. He went to, he went to trial Now they charged him with a big, big time crime. He went to trial just before trial. They realized their case had m- lots of holes in it. Uh, and uh, they offered him three or four different plea bargains, each one easier and easier. The bottom, the last one was basically you plead guilty to littering, we'll drop all the charges. He said, I'm not guilty of anything, <laughs> I'm going to trial. After a long trial, a Sheriff Mack, our, our, our president, went out and, and helped raise a bunch of money for them for their legal defense fund. After the, the trial was over, he was uh, was the unanimous verdict of acquittal. Wow. Uh, because he, the sheriff stood on defending the citizen and, and put his whole entire livelihood on the line because of it. He's he's still the sheriff down there. And what a, what a, well, I certainly hope everyone who's listening will check on their county sheriff and hopefully your county sheriff is a constitutional sheriff. You know, there's so, a yeah. lot,
2: there's a lot of sheriffs out there. There's a lot of chief of polices out there that just don't believe that citizens should be allowed to carry guns. And that's super that's scary true. to us.
4: Major scary. And that's why, that is why, we can see people are afraid that if it ever happens, some of those guys will obey the order. You know, there's a group called Oath Keepers, which is a, a, a great group we work with. Sheriff Max on the board of Oath Keepers, and and uh, and they have a list of orders, ten orders they will not follow, and and uh, the same thing. We get uh, chastised a lot for saying, well, yeah, they say, well, CSPOA believes you can just pick and choose whatever laws you enforce or whatever laws you obey. That's not true. We obey and enforce all constitutional laws. That's the key, is the law constitutional. And when a police officer refuses to obey an unconstitutional law or order, he is not breaking the law, he's upholding the law. That's the American view of law. It's really pretended legislation if it is unconstitutional. And the Supreme Court used those very terms, pretended legislation.
1: Wow, that's phenomenal. Well, we're about out of time. We have got to bring you back on and talk some more about all of this. But I want you to tell folks uh, more about uh, the the website, the CSPOA.org. There is a, a link on there. That says vet your sheriff. What's that all about?
4: Yes. Well, we have county. Uh, you can also vet your chief of police. You can ask them to fill out. Uh, we have. A, you can go online, get the form, and uh, and and print it or download it, and. Send it to your sheriff if he's up for election right now. Have the sheriff uh, fill out the form, and you'll you'll see by the questions on it whether or not this person's going to be a constitutional sheriff or not. You can publish it. We have some of our, uh, our state directors are, are doing that and publishing a, uh, basically a list. We don't endorse candidates, but uh, we do put the facts out of whether, what they say to the survey, whether they will be a constitutional sheriff or not but the people decide based on their survey and uh, interviews with them. So you can go right online and do it. And it's, it's tremendous. We invite you to join also all citizens. We need everyone to join us and not just because we need your money, by the way, we're not paid. I don't get paid a penny. Uh, My expenses are covered, but we need you to, to join to be able to be our eyes and ears out there and let us know whether some good guys in law enforcement so we can support them and hopefully get them on board and let us know where there's areas where they need retraining and need help. And we'll try to do
1: that too. This is so exciting. Rick Dalton of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. Tell us your website and then we've got to run.
4: Great. CSPOA.org. Again, CSPOA.org to protect and defend freedom
1: love it thank you so much rick we'll talk soon
4: thank you my pleasure
1: all right well stick around because coming up we have miss lara and she is with the legally armed america.com which is kind of how i found the theme of our show today so lara evans coming up right after this
6: Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at pot of Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona, or check out the auction online at pottigoldstate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. See so you best, hurry, and tell them Don Cogger sent you.
1: Thanks for sticking around. You are listening to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Well, we are glad you're here with us today. And if you missed any part of this show, please go and check out our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click on the On Demand tab, and you can see and hear every one of our previous shows. Click on the Guest tab. You can see pictures and information and links to every one of our guests that we've ever had on, including today. And our next guest is Laura Evans of Legally Armed America. And I kind of borrowed the, the name of her company that she works for as the theme of our show today. Uh, Laura is a convert, you might say. She was once an anti gun mom. Laura has grown from that time into a passionate supporter of the Second Amendment. Laura is a lifetime NRA member and a delegate of the D.C. Project. She and I had been in D.C. together uh, in July of this year, talking to our, our legislators from our respective states. And uh, as the Director of Marketing for Legally Armed America and Gun District, Laura is helping to change the landscape of pro-gun social media. Hello, Miss Laura.
9: Hi, Cheryl. How are you?
1: I am great. Now, not only were we in D.C. together in July for the D.C. project, we were just in Virginia together for the NRA Women's Leadership uh, Summit Forum. Or Forum Summit, rather.
9: Yeah, Um, and it was. A, a, an amazing experience.
1: It really was. It was my first time there. I think it was yours as well, right? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. And the room was just filled with the most amazing women from all across the country. Uh, people that, you know, I, I. this is what I loved about the DC Project too, is that you put a group of us together from across the room, nobody would able be able to say, oh, those are a bunch of gun nuts, Right.
9: No, absolutely not. No, we, we just look like regular, normal American uh, moms, wives, daughters, uh, just normal women.
1: It, and I think that's why we're so powerful is because we are kind of an unknown demographic. And so then when people realize that we exist and that we love our Constitution as it relates to gun ownership, um, it, it kind of makes their head explode a little bit. <laughs> Hey Laura. Yeah, I
9: can, I can, I can relate to that.
2: (laughs) Laura, we have, you know, I'm I'm sure some listeners are wanting to know um, what put you on the other side of the fence.
9: Well, I, um, I was not involved in the shooting sports until I began working in the shooting sports, and so uh, my first experience shooting was before I had kids. Um, I had a 12-gauge shotgun put in my hands and subsequently a, a nasty bruise after <laughs> firing a slug. Yeah, and those I can really hurt. Had, yeah, I had no clue what I was doing. I had no training. I had no explanation. And, you know, therefore, it was a, a, a bad experience for me. But I somehow hit the center of the target, so I took some pride in that. <laughs> hmm um, but but once you know upon working in the industry and really under the guidance of some helpful mentors, I I was uh, sort of uh, reintroduced to the sport of shooting through air guns. And as as I began to learn more about shooting and and shooting myself, um, I really found my confidence uh, and. As I became even more interested in firearms after being exposed to them at some shooting industry events like Range Day at SHOT Show and at some outdoor writer conferences and other industry events and hunting experiences, um, I really recognized how much fun it is, and I I can't really seem to get enough these days. (laughs) I don't have, you know, people ask um, at at the forum, they ask, what's your favorite gun? And um, for me, it's pretty much whatever one I'm shooting.
2: <laughs> right. uh, That's awesome. So, Laura, if um, <laughs> if my next door neighbor was um, anti gun or just didn't like guns, what what should I do to get them, get that person com- uh, into the gun culture?
9: I think um, you know, really, education. I, for me, um, when I first when I had my first job um, in the industry, I
5: on my of my own
9: accord, I decided to join the NRA. I wanted to learn more about the culture itself, um, and I was surprised to learn how education-focused they are as an organization, um, from educating children at a young age all the way up to, you know, high-level competitive shooting. Um, And I would say that was, you know, in a lot of ways, my resource for, for learning, and honestly was really surprised. I... I have been brought up to believe that the NRA uh, crowd was really a bunch of just redneck hillbillies kind of recklessly running around and overalls in and white feeder shirts. Or uh, if, <laughs> if not that, then they were, you know, those evil lobbyists that were bent on, you know, taking over our government by force. But did did Cheryl tell believe- you what
2: I was wearing today?
1: <laughs> no. That's, that is a bad visual. <laughs> Strike that from your mind immediately. <laughs> But yeah, so going to take over the government by force, right?
9: Yeah, but um, it's not. It really isn't. It's just, um, it, you know, and, and this stands for not just NRA members, but really everyone that I've met in the, you know, gun culture, gun community. Um, these people, people have values and traditions that this country will built upon. Um, they're proud. They're strong. They're very safety conscious. And, you know, they're really the kind of neighbors that I want to have. So, so if I were to introduce someone to shooting, I would suggest that they, you know, begin with education and open their mind a little bit to talk with people who are active in the shooting lifestyle and, you know, ask them questions about why and how did you get started. And um, most of the people that I know, knew earlier in my life that were part of the shooting sport were hunters. Um, and they were brought up to, you know, follow a tradition that had been passed on from generation to generation and, you know, were eager to continue that generation with their own children.
2: So what is the Legally Armed America and Gun District all about, Laura?
9: Um, Legally Armed America is uh, it's a cable and digital television show that shares gun-related information, um, everything from firearm reviews to gun care techniques. Um, and even side-by-side comparisons um, of different, you know, firearms that are similar to each other. Um, Paul Glasgow is our host, and he's, you know, what I would call a devoted gun addict. Uh, <laughs> he's got kind of a knack for really knowing what the trending topics are in, in, the, uh, in the industry. And um, he put together some really interesting segments. Some of my personal favorites are um, he does this segment that he calls Gun Bullies, um, where he beats up a firearm and then sees if it will still fire. Kind of like that, those old you know, Timex commercials where the Timex takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Oh, fun. Um, in one of the segments, he took a Rock Island Armory, 1911. He froze it in a block of ice for three days. Then he blasted it out of the ice with Buckshot from a Remington 870.
1: Uh, <laughs> i got to watch that. another one...
9: Yeah, it's great. In another one, he threw a, a Wyndham Weaponry AR-15 into a Louisiana pond for a couple of hours Ew. and then dragged it out and, and fired it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but really, his point isn't to break the firearm, but he wants to show people how much abuse today's uh, guns can be subjected to and really still function properly.
1: That is awesome. How fun is that? I got to check that out. Yeah, so it is. It's a lot of fun. So that's on the legallyarmedamerica.com. So then gun district, what is that?
9: Gundistrict.com is a social community that was really established specifically for firearms and outdoor enthusiasts. Um, it's very similar to Facebook, um, and it's a place that you can visit and share anything you want, any kind of conversation. But what really makes it special is that there's no discrimination if you were to, say, post a photo of your whitetail or your big game African trophy, or even if you want to talk about or ask questions about your favorite firearm. Um, it was really created as a place for responsible gun enthusiasts to share things online that that all other Americans freely enjoy relating to their interests and friends and jobs, but without being harassed or discriminated against.
1: Wow. Um, A judgment-free, Joan. Actually, it's probably not judgment-free because there's probably one guy going, oh, you think your white tail's good? Well, check out mine, right? (laughs) Exactly,
9: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, there's all kinds of different areas. There, There are classified, there are forums, there are pages. One of the things that kind of differentiates it from traditional social media is the uh, availability of advertising for firearms uh, companies, manufacturers, accessories. You can't advertise on traditional social media for firearms-related products, and it's welcome on gun on Gun District.
1: That is fantastic. I am excited about both of those. Um, I'm excited to to have you on because you're such a good spokesperson for for the entire industry especially because you've, had, you've taken that journey from, from not understanding guns, not trusting the tool, to, to really understanding how it fits into our lives in a, a safe and responsible way. And, Laura, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Tell people, again, how they can check out both of those sites.
9: Um, Legally Armed America, you can find at legallyarmedamerica.com. And Gun District is found at gundistrict.com. Um, both are free and um, welcoming to, to anyone. And, and before you let me go, uh, mm-hmm. I'd really like to thank the two of you for what you're doing and oh. serving the pro-gun community thank and for you. including me on your show and to say God
1: bless America. God bless America, indeed. And you're blessing America because you're involved in, in these kinds of things as well as the D.C. Project, and uh, give us the website for the DC Project as well.
9: That is dcproject.info.
1: Fantastic. All right. Thank you, Miss Laura. We'll have to have you back on again and talk more about the, that gun bullies section. That sounds like a hoot and a half. <laughs> it is. It is. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye now. All right. All right. Well, stick around because we still have an entire hour to come. In our second hour, we have our responsibly armed citizen report and Dan's commentary and three more great guests. We've got Cindy Harding, Vicki Callmaker, and Lara Smith coming up right after this.
6: Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. The Genuine Article. Pot of gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com.
7: Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come, listen and learn at Self-DefenseGunStories dot com.
8: um